so it gives us some good insights into what's happening. More staffing yields more productivity. Thank you all for joining this MGMA Executive Session podcast. My name is Andrew Hady, Senior Industry Advisor with MGMA. I'm joined today by Dave Gans, Senior Fellow. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk today and to uh, talk about uh, information that I'm providing to the membership, the data mine for the MGMA Connection, which is titled Staffing Success that appears in the July print edition of the MGMA Connection and is available online at mgma.com that the article looks at you know how how does this number of staff you have relate to the profitability of the practice and what is the secret of practices that have better financial success is it really having more staff or is it other things and uh, I think the data are extremely interesting and Dave as you know I, I worked in group practice management for many, many years. And, and when I read your article, I was extremely excited about all the different correlations of data and different things that were going on. So I'm excited to be able to to spend this time with you today and, and kind of talk through all of those really interesting things I had and a lot of the questions that, that came out of it from my standpoint. My impression when I first read through the article was I, I wasn't really sure, you know, how much to expect to see you know, an exact correlation between that total revenue and total staffing ratios. So I kind of got um, some surprises when I looked at some of the scatter plots or other information that were out there. And, and really, um, the other part that kind of surprised me was just you know, the continuing trend of total staffing patterns between physician-owned and hospital-owned practices and kind of how those vary from each other. I think you know, this is, I, I appreciate uh, your comments and I think uh, one element about having uh, worked with the MGMA data for so long is that I was able to utilize the raw database of information and create variables that are not normally looked at and really looking at seeing what can we identify that can, can see what is the secret to staffing success uh, and looking at, in, in this case, hundreds of practices that are similar and seeing are there patterns of information. Absolutely, Dave, and, and I think that's the part that I found really fascinating about this. So, so maybe um, with that, that might lead here into my directly into my first question for you that kind of ties directly with that data. Specifically with that gap we were talking about, it was interesting for me to see how large that gap was between um, the private practice again and those integrated health systems, those hospital-owned practices, and their overall staffing. For those who um, haven't aren't looking at the uh, article in front of them, um, it was showing on here that 36% of private practices, so a large portion of them, had a total um, staffing FTE ratio of 5.1 to 6 staff members, whereas an integrated system had 35% of those practices had between 2.1 and 3 um, total FTEs. So in your opinion, Dave, is that primarily that big variance there, be primarily because a lot of those integrated practices have a lot of their departments, including credentialing, contracting, billing, or other positions um, outside of the practice itself? Well, well, Andrew, what we're seeing is a statistician would call a normal distribution or a bell-shaped curve, but we see two different curves. One is that normal distribution for practices that are part of health systems and these practices have much lower staffing 
than their private practice equivalents. Now, we were looking at multi-specialty groups with primary and specialty care, which is, gives some homogeneity to the type of practice we're observing. So the major difference in the data happened to be ownership. And in these uh, practices that were hospital-owned, or part of a hospital system, uh, what we saw was over half of their of their staffing was or less than four four employees per doctor, and we're looking at total employees, uh, and of course total physicians in the practice, whereas among physician-owned groups, only four percent. In other words, half versus four percent. What a difference! But if you look at the actual graph as displayed in the article, you can say, oh, this looks like a pretty normal distribution is just among hospital systems, typically they staff at lower levels. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what I'm seeing in those two bell curves, as you mentioned as well. Pretty distinct how uh, much variety there is between yeah. those two models. Well, of course, there's some reasons why this occurs, and that's why we oftentimes want to look only uh, within, not only by type of practice, but by ownership, we look at financial performance or staffing or other factors in a, in a, in a physician's group. Uh, for example, in these hospital and system practices, many of these uh, of the services of medical group are have been moved out of the practice and into the health system. A great example would be how imaging and laboratory are seldom found in the hospital medical group, but these are actually staffed and they're found in a centralized imaging center, for example, or a centralized laboratory. Uh, same thing occurs with certain administrative functions. Credentialing, for example, is almost always centralized. Human resources management would be centralized. Marketing would be centralized. So consequently, you don't have the need to show these staff in the practice, but you're still getting the services, and those staff just appear elsewhere. Now, one of the things my next question really tied into, um, when you look at that clinical support staff specifically, what kind of differences are you seeing? Because that's usually where kind of the rubber meets the road in that area. Well, when I looked specifically at nursing staff, and this is, uh, as you said, clinical support staff, registered the sum of registered nurses, uh, medical assistants, and L and licensed practical nurses or LPNs, that what we see is there is similarity. There's not that much of a difference, but we still see that physician-owned practices typically have more clinical staff supporting their doctors. On a personal basis, um, you know, I think that this is evidence of when you own the practice and if you want it and you're willing to pay for it, you get it. If you're part of a health system, you now have to make those requests through a much more formal bureaucracy. And I think there's pretty strong evidence that health system practices starve themselves a little. You know, they're, they're oftentimes may have to make do with fewer staff than may be optimum if the doctors had those choices themselves. Going down that path, when you see that increased total number of staff, though, kind of what happens from there in terms of that total revenue? So when I look at some of the scatter plots and different things you've done, um, there appears to be a clear correlation between the more total staff you have, the more revenue you have. Can you tell us um, what your thoughts are, are okay. on that? Well, the article has graphics as well as just a data table. And I think first looking at the table of information, uh, the table looks at a measure of productivity, total procedures per FTE physician, as well as the financial indicators. And the first place I always want to look at before you start uh, identifying 
what occurs in finance is what happens in productivity. Because obviously, productivity is highly correlated with total revenue. <laughs> and this was the first thing that I saw that said we have, we, we have a strong relationship between having staff and having uh, productivity. Again, in the data table we have, uh, now this is looking across all practices and all types, include the hospital, you know, aggregating both the hospital and physician owned groups, that the productivity, the lowest level of productivity, 5,430 median total procedures per FTE physician occurred at the lowest level of staffing of two to three FTE employees per doctor. The highest level of productivity, 16,000 procedures, okay, was those that had six or more employees per doctor. Now, obviously, some of these procedures are the results of, for example, lab procedures or radiology procedures, you know, and not necessarily the direct work of hands-on care by a physician. Also, in the context of this analysis, I did not, I did not separate out what happens with non-physician providers, but I found similar ratios of non-physician providers, nurse practitioners and PAs, predominantly per doctor. So, you know, we're basically holding that somewhat constant, but their productivity is included in these total procedures, as of course will be the results of their productivity in the, in the, in the revenue they produce, but also their costs. So it gives us some, again, further good insights into what's happening. More staffing yields more productivity. Interesting. Yeah. No, um, thanks for your breakdown of that all. Um, one of the things I also noticed in those scatter plots um, were the outliers. So when we look at some of those practices, there's a few of them out there that are generating very high revenues with, with mm -hmm. uh, much lower levels of, of FTE. So, you know, obviously that's showing up right in my mind as what are those practices doing differently to accomplish that? Because I think that's kind of everyone's dream to make that happen. Yeah. Well, I agree completely. Well, first, um, you know, the, oh, again, looking at the table of information where we have median revenue, total medical revenue, median total operating costs, and median total revenue after operating cost, we, the same pattern that occurred in, in uh, productivity occurs here, that the, the practices with most employees have the greatest amount of revenue. They also have by far the greatest amount of expense, as you would expect, because having more employees means you have to have higher salaries, higher fringe benefits, more space, more equipment, and other things. Uh, fortunately, what we do see is that there is a benefit in the net and that these practices do have higher net revenue after operating cost. Now, when we get into the scatter plots, it's really fascinating. Now, the scatter plots uh, look at you know, they're actually a dis it's a display of the real of the real world data. Uh, the the two axes we have, the horizontal axis is always number of FTE employees per doctor, and we can see some practices staff at very low levels, one or one and a half or two FTE employees per doctor. Other staff at much higher levels, you know, eight, nine, ten employees per physician, and then we and then the vertical axis will look at could be revenue, it could be cost, it could be revenue after operating expense, but then we can see and actually identify where each practice plots. So you can see that for a certain level of staffing, what was that practice's uh, total revenue, for example? 
Uh, and in doing so, what we can see is that practices who have more staff have more revenue. But Andrew, you pointed out something even more important is that there is variance. There, not every, you know, it's not consistent. Some practices have relatively modest staffing and very high revenue. Others have greater staffing and lower revenues. But there's a pattern. And, we're, and of course, we're looking at the pattern in the context of how practices may want to model their staffing and, and understand what's going to happen at those staffing levels. Absolutely. And, and that was what I imagined as well in terms of, um, you know, some of the variability, but most of them were falling right right in the middle where you'd expect. What were some of the other items that you were surprised about when you did all your data analysis? Well, it's very interesting to see how uh, first among revenue, there was there was far greater clustering as best way to describe what happens as practices have more staff. Now there's a statistical measure that you can create that looks at uh, the amount of variation in the data. Statistically, uh, we refer to this as a coefficient of determination, okay? And it's oftentimes expressed as a term, R-squared. And this tells the degree of variation that can be explained by the linear regression line. In other words, there's a line we draw through the center of mass in the scatter plot. And since the the horizontal axis is number of staff, we can use this to say how well does the not just the number of staff explain the amount of variance in the vertical axis, in this case uh, revenue expense or revenue after expense. And what I what I saw is one, there is the strongest overall relationship was in revenue. And we had an R square of 0.428, which says almost 43% of the variation in revenue can be attributed purely to FTE support staff. Now, at the same time, when we started looking at expenses, you see a very strong cluster that shows as, as more staff increase, we get higher expenses. And then there are a number of outliers. Some practices have twice the, as the expenses twice as much per doctor uh, than, the, than the bulk of the others. And I think this causes the statistical representation to get much lower, 0.195, which says only about 20% of the variance in expense can be attributed to staffing. And that sort of makes sense because you have high cost of living areas, low cost of living areas. You have higher salaries, lower salaries for staff. It may, it may depend what staff you have. It may also decide what is the size of your physical plant and what expenses are you, are, what are you spending on other costs in the practice. And lastly, when we look at the revenue after operating expense, clusters get a little tighter and we show about a 30, uh, R square of 0.318 or about 32% uh, the variance in profitability can be attributed to staffing. But even so, even at this point, we see a substantial amount of variance at the same levels of staffing. And uh, Andrew, I think if anyone ha- looks at the article, uh, my suggestion is I point out in the article itself, median staffing levels for uh, multi-specialty groups without, uh, uh, with primary and specialty care is five FTE employees per doctor. And at that one level, we saw a practice that had revenue after operating cost of just over $100,000. Now, obviously, this is a hospital-owned practice that will run an operational loss after you reduce this amount by the, the compensation of the doctors and other providers.
but also there are, are other practices here in this at virtually the same staffing level that have over $700,000 of revenue after operating costs per doctor. So you say this is a seven times difference. So again, substantial amount of variance, even though statistically we can explain the opportunity for profit by having more staff. Yeah, that is amazing, Dave, how much how much variance there truly can be throughout throughout the um, the data. So um, based on all of that, though, one of my key questions with this whole analysis you did was, what are those key takeaways you'd, you'd bring to an executive about um, if they're considering adding more staff to grow their revenue, what would you recommend? Okay, well, uh, first off, study the problem. <laughs> Research what others are, what other organizations are doing. You know, it's, so you're not just adding more staff, you want to add the right staff doing the right things, which is sort of the, the, the catch line at the end of the article, which says, why do we get this variance? Well, there's that half of it is having more staff. The other half is how you train the staff. What incentives do they have to, you know, to work hard? What is the degree of supervision? How well are they trained? All these other factors that contribute to the productivity of the doctor. And of course, the other factor is, what is the culture of the practice? Uh, some practices have a culture that maybe focus more on lifestyle of the providers, the doctors. Other practices have a high productivity focus. Executive wanting to look at how do we optimize our productivity and our revenues, I would look at your staffing levels and look carefully at what these staff are doing. Perfect, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, so I had, I had one final question for you, and feel free to add anything else beyond this as well. But what would you, what else would you want the audience to know about using benchmarking and data from companies like MGMA or our own data dive software to increase their market share efficiency or to help give them a leg up on their competition? Well, <laughs> a lot of good things. Well, number one, benchmarking is a tool. And it's a tool that allows you to say, what are other people doing? And we're doing, in the context of this article and in much of the MGMA Datadive software, the opportunity to do comparative benchmarking. Benchmarking your performance to that of similar practices. And look at where the variance occurs. Are you better or worse than other practices? If you're better, pat you, yourself on the back. More importantly, congratulate your staff. If you're worse in an area, focus your attention. Your most valuable resource is your time. So look at, focus your attention where, where you have problems. Now, benchmarking is not only comparing yourself to other practices, but also compare yourself to the processes those practices use. Uh, MGMA has expanded our data dive operations product to include information on what other organizations are doing uh, as far as staffing, as hours of staffing, what is what are appointment schedules? How long does it take for appointment waiting times and the like? So you can actually model what practices are doing as well. And lastly, uh, benchmarking also says, can we look at best practices? You know, what are organizations that attain higher levels of performance and model aspects of our practice on what they're doing? And it may or may not be medical medically oriented it could be out of industry product, you know benchmarking and you know the classic examples are large systems that are trying to inventory control they look at FedEx and Walmart 
as their models for how large organizations can track hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of items and know where they all are. We also have great examples of applying you know, the Toyota manufacturing system into healthcare. Whereas making automobiles has nothing to do with healthcare, but the processes that can make an automobile with, with less variation and fewer faults can translate into a healthcare system or health uh, that can provide better quality care with fewer errors. So again, benchmarking has great opportunities, and I actually talk about some of this, and more importantly, my author, co-author, Greg Feltenberger, in the MGMA book, Staff, uh, Benchmarking Success, uh, we get into a lot of detail on how to be benchmark and to use the information. Uh, one of our mantras has been, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Well, measurement is the key to good management, and that's what benchmarking is, as well as using the data in this context to look at what your staffing could be. Dave, again, mm -hmm. um, thank you so much for all the great information today, and we absolutely appreciate, appreciate everyone joining us in this MGMA Executive Session podcast. Andrew, thank Andrew, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to give further insights into the article. Thank you, Dave. Thank you.